welcome to the Queen's Church Sermon Podcast. Our church is being built on two vision statements. Jesus is our passion and love is our mission. We hope this message leads you to Jesus and that next week you'll join us in person to experience God's love through this local church. You can follow us online at qns.church. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome to Queen's Church. We're glad to have you. My name is Larry and... I'm the pastor here. We're excited that you are um, starting off 2020 with a bang at church. Last week, we kicked off our series called Carry the Water. Now, this is a special series. It's only two weeks long. So if you were here last week and you're here today, you just attended an entire sermon series. So pat yourself on the back. Congratulations. That's a great way to start off the year, uh, unless you walk out of this sermon halfway through, in which case you don't get credit. Um, but we're glad you're here. Uh, you can go online and listen to last week's sermon if you want um, to see where this idea kicked off, and that's with carrying the water to our hearts. So we saw last week that um, Jesus does this amazing thing inside of us when we put our belief in him. He gives us living water, not the type of water that you drink, but the type of water that is for your soul, and it lasts forever. You never get thirsty again. You always go to him and your soul, your heart is quenched. So with that water, though, comes this amazing responsibility that we see in Scripture here today. And I want to start off by um, saying the the title of the sermon is this week we're going to carry the water to our neighbors. So last week was to our hearts. This week is to our neighbors. And I want to start off with a great question that was actually asked of Jesus. So we don't even have to theorize what the answer is. The question is, who is my neighbor, right? So since we're all good New Yorkers, um, I'm going to assume that a lot of us don't even know our neighbors, but I want to put you to the test. If you know at least one of your neighbors, raise your hand by name. All right, good. We got every, every hand in here raised. Keep it up. Keep it up. If you know, you say, I could say the name of three of my neighbors, three of your neighbors, even if they all live in the same house. That's cool. Keep it up. All right, let's make a big jump. What about 10? A couple of hands went down. Couple, two hands are up. Does that mean 20? Let's go there. How about 20? You say, I can name 20 neighbors. Few, uh, most hands went down. And now maybe 25? You start, okay, yeah, 30. We're getting into, it's hard to say, right? 40. Lamont does know everybody. That is true. Everybody in this room knows Lamont. You're like, that's my neighbor. Um, so... What kind of neighbors are we talking about, right? The ones who live next door to us, maybe, that you're thinking of right now. I was challenged once by a sermon I heard, and I think of it often. And uh, it was a sermon about loving the people who live inside your house, right, your family. And the, the pastor said, the people you live with are your closest neighbors. And I had never thought of my wife or my sons or now my daughter as a neighbor, but when you think of the challenge that Jesus gives, the command to love your neighbor, it starts right there inside your own home. But that's for another sermon, for another day. I want to kick off by seeing what Jesus said to this question. You know, there was a, um, a young lawyer who approached him one time in front of a big crowd. So the, the purpose was to put Jesus to the test. The author lets us know that. And he says this, um, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's the question we answered last week, right? The the water needs to come to this young ruler's soul. 
Um, and Jesus says, well, what, what did you learn growing up? And uh, he told him what, you know, what he thought, to um, follow God's law and to, um, to do everything basically by the book and to love the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love his neighbor as himself. And Jesus says, that's right. Or, sorry, Jesus says that to him and he says, who is my neighbor? And Jesus says, one time there was a man traveling. And he, Jesus does this a lot. Don't you, you don't like that friend, right? You ask him a simple question and then they give you a long story for an answer. <laughs> Jesus was like that, but you would have liked him, I think. He says this, there was a man traveling one time and he fell among robbers and some people beat him. They took everything that he had and they left him stranded on the road in the middle of nowhere in between Jerusalem and Jericho. So it's like in between New Jersey and New York City, right there on the George Washington Bridge. They left him there to die. The traffic wasn't as bad, though, on that road as it is on the George, George Washington. So nobody came by for a while. Jesus said, though, finally somebody did. And by luck, this man, the first person that crossed was a priest. So, of course, he's going to get help, right? Well, if you've read the story, you know that actually the priest just passed right by the man. Then another man comes by. And this is a Levite. Now, this Jew that Jesus was talking to would know that a Levite is a son in the order of the priests. So another man of God, right? A, a person who was chosen to do God's work came among the man. Finally, right? Someone to help. And what does this man do, though? He actually crosses the street because <laughs> he doesn't even want to get close. And he walks by on the other side of the street. And then Jesus says something that would have taken the breath away of everyone in the room. He said, a Samaritan man was walking by. Now the priest and the Levite, right, are men of God, and they're both Jews, so they should help a Jew who had fallen among robbers. The Samaritan, though, was the enemy of the Jews. Samaritans were half-breeds. They were, they were not fully Jewish, and they were not fully any other race. And so they got, they got not only a bad reputation, but they got the least of everything. They were the Jews' enemy. You're not fully a Jew. You're not fully blooded like us. That man walks by, and he bends down, and he helps the person up. He gets his own oil, which was costly, right? So he spends his own money, and he patches the guy's bandages. Uh, uh, he bandages up the guy's hurts. He puts oil on them to try to start healing them. Then he puts the man on his donkey and takes him to the next town. And he keeps going, by the way. He, you know, he goes up to the town and finds a place where the man can stay. And he, and he pays the person. He says, if you encounter any expenses before I get back, when I get back, I'll pay you what those are too. Take good care of this man. Total stranger. Jesus said, that is a good neighbor. Who is my neighbor? It's interesting. We get... He, he kind of doesn't answer the question. He tells a story. And so in that story, we can see that, well, the neighbor, Jesus is trying to say to the Jew, this the Samaritan, the one who you would think is your enemy, actually helped the person. That's your neighbor. But also, you know the, the times when you're walking through life and something inconvenient approaches you, like a, someone who's hurt along the way? Jesus says, that's your neighbor. But you know, you can't also rule out the Levite and the priest, because those are the neighbors too. In other words, Jesus' point was, the people who are your neighbors are the ones who I put you in front of. 
It doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter their ethnicity. It doesn't matter how much it's going to cost you to show them love. They are your neighbors. Let's read and discuss this passage today with that on our mind when I say it's time to carry the water to our neighbors, to our neighbors. Now, now if I asked how many of you know the names of, you know, 150 neighbors, you would say, yeah, the people I encounter on a daily basis, I know them. The strangers I come up, yeah, I, I know names of lots of neighbors. Think about that as we jump into this sermon. Um, I want to give basically three uh, big declarations for 2020 for Queen's Church. As you know, we're launching into this brand new year as a brand new baby church, right? We've been going for a little over three months now um, with weekly services, and our vision that was cast last week is to be a river of life for our neighbors, that people can come and see this place, right? These people have life flowing out of them, and I want to get close and drink from the same, I want what they're having, right? I want to drink the same well that they're drinking from. That's the vision for our church. And in order for that to happen, we're going to have to um, do these several things. Uh, Open up your Bibles to John chapter 4, if you have them. If not, um, it'll be on the screen for you. John chapter 4. Now, I'm not going to read this entire story, although I do challenge you Um, to go check it out. Uh, John chapter 4, read the whole entire chapter. It's a wonderful encounter. Um, This is, interestingly enough, the longest conversation Jesus ever had that's recorded for us to read. The longest one-on-one conversation right here. So most of them went like the one with the ruler, (laughs) I mean with the lawyer. The lawyer asks a question, Jesus gives an answer that's kind of smart aleck and gets right to the point, and then the people leave because they're angry or some of them believe. But this time, he treated this person so differently, and they talked back and forth for verse upon verse upon verse. So go and read it, and we're going to talk about the end of it right now. I want to start in um, John chapter 4, verse 28 and 29. Side note, how many of you are uh, joining us for our 21-day reading plan to start the year? Raise your hand. Good. Um, How many of you, all right, be really bold here. How many of you missed at least one day this week? All right, so everybody knows now you can miss a day and you can keep going. Don't let the little miss day thing say, okay, I got to stop now, right? I raised my hand too because I missed a day as well. So let's keep going. Keep reading God's word. If you didn't start that, um, we'll have info for it at the end. Jump on there, uh, download the Bible app, and just search for Queen's Church. You can see and join our reading plan. But now that you're there, John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. What were the Samaritans, remember? We just talked about it. The enemies of the Jews, right? They were the crossbreeds. They were the people who uh, Jews should not associate with. And especially if you know that culture there in the Middle East, uh, still, and even at that time, even more, a a Jewish man should certainly not be caught talking one-on-one alone with a Samaritan woman. Jesus breaking all the social faux pas right here of the day, all right? So he's addressing this woman, and he has a long conversation with her, and he's telling her basically about her life. She tells him nothing about herself, and he tells her all about it. And she's struck by this. Wow, this man must be something special because he told me everything about myself. And he's talking to me about this living water like we talked about last week. So this is what happens in verse 28 the end of the conversation, the woman left her water jar and went away into town. 
and said to the people in her town, Come and see a man who has told me all that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? That's the the Messiah, the Savior. This is the one who they, they were waiting for. Could this be the Christ? Church, this woman shows us so much about the way that the gospel should encounter our hearts. Let's look into it closely. The first thing that she does, she had come to the water, I mean, come to the well to get water, right? In those days, as you know, you didn't just turn on a faucet and get water. I try to teach my kids. Have you guys ever had to, I I want your tips. If you've ever had to try to teach children that electricity and water cost money, it doesn't make sense to them, right? (laughs) They're like, well, well, I I turned it on. I didn't give anybody any money. And then I left it on and I took off. (laughs) No, the money keeps coming out of there, right? Why is it that parents can't see anything except money flowing out of the water faucet? So, but it's not free, but we have it readily accessible in our house, right? Water. It wasn't like that then. The, uh, traditionally, the women would go out in the morning, at the beginning of the day, and they would get water in jars and they would carry them back. You've, you guys have seen this on the cover of National Geographic or something in some country where they don't have flowing water. Um, it, it was happening back then. But this woman was by herself at the well in the middle of the day in the heat of the day. Why do you think that would be? Well, most scholars believe that the only reason a woman would go to the well in the middle of the day and not in the beginning of the day with all of the other women is because she was shamed or embarrassed or humiliated or not accepted or an outcast. How many of you can relate with that? Being an outcast or being shamed or humiliated and having to duck your head and hide. That was this woman. She was at the well in the middle of the day. And what Jesus gave her was so important that what did she do? I mean, she was there to get water for her family. And what did she do right when we opened up in in verse 28? So the woman left her water jar and went away. She didn't even take what she came for. And that brings us, brings us to the first point. You have a little note card there. You can take some notes if you want. Um, these are three declarations that I want to, for us to live in 2020 as Queen's Church. The first one is this. If, if we want to carry the water to our neighbors, then in 2020, we are going to have to go quickly. In 2020, we will go quickly. Everybody say quickly. quickly. How fast? Quickly. quickly. She left her water there. In other words... Whatever Jesus gave her was so important that she left her livelihood and her kids' livelihood. Maybe you say, that wasn't very smart. Regardless, she took off because she had to go back to town and she had to tell about this man. When we have received the living water, we go quickly to our neighbors who are still in the desert. That theme was very prevalent last week, right? We talked about the deserts that we face in the times that we live, the deserts of loneliness, of relational stress, of financial pressure. Talk about the, the desert of a, of, a, of a hopeless job that we think we'll never be able to get out of, and we're just going to keep running in circles. There's all this dryness around us, all this thirst. And when we find the living water, when we receive the living water, what we are called by God to do first and foremost is to run quickly to the people we know who are still in the desert. 
the people who haven't received the water yet. We have to go. Why? Because we want them to taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? That's why Summer said a moment ago during our time of announcements that we want to be people who refuse to come alone. Why? Because every one of us in this room knows people who need hope. Every one of us know people who need that water that we have found. The reason that we get up on Sunday mornings and make that trek all the way over here to ColorWorks because we have to taste with this church community. We have to see that God is good. Um, We have received the living water. We go quickly to our neighbors who are still in the desert. This woman went so quickly and with such urgency that she left what um, her daily routine had given her to do. She left it behind. And I want us to realize that that part of this account is important because God interrupts our day often. And we have to understand and recognize when God is interrupting our day because God's interruptions are always for our good. I'll say it in a different way. Listen, God's interruptions are always for your good. When God interrupts your day in the way that he did with that woman from Samaria that day, he has your good in mind. Do you believe that? That God has your good in mind. God's interruptions are also, though, as this woman learned, for your neighbor's good. This is the gospel that we preach, ladies and gentlemen, that this message is not for you to hold on to yourself. This is not a selfish feast. This is a welcoming feast. And people can only feel and understand that they are welcomed if you and I go take this feast that we have received to them. God's interruptions are for your good. They're for your neighbor's good. And listen to this. This is the part that's hard. Everyone in the room is on board with that, I would bet. You're like, yeah, okay, I like it when it's good for me. I like it when it's good for my neighbors. But listen to this. God's interruptions will sometimes change your plans. And that's the part that's hard to swallow. Right? It's hard to swallow leaving your water jar at the well and running to go quickly to your neighbors who have shamed you and humiliated you and won't even accept you at the well. Think about that. It's not that she left her water there to go back and tell her family. Jesus made it clear a few verses before that, which you'll read later this week, is that her family situation was not exactly ideal. She lied to him about the husband that she had, and then he um, said, I already know that you've had five husbands, and the man that you're sleeping with now is not your husband. Probably the reason she was shamed, by the way. That wasn't accepted. It's not accepted in our culture. It wasn't accepted in their culture either. But you see, Jesus didn't shame her. Can you say amen to that? Jesus didn't shame her. So the, the way that God interrupts our, interrupts our day, changes our plans, and the first thing we've got to see is that when God interrupts your day, he's not doing it to shame you. Do you understand that? God is not in the business of shaming you. Why? It's because, you know, little crosses that people wear around their neck? You might wear one. You have a cross maybe in your house somewhere. That's why. Jesus bore the shame that you and I deserve. That woman... She felt shame because she deserved it. She had been wronged and she had wronged others. She had sinned. And because of that, shame should be there. But the cross of Jesus Christ frees you from the shame that you want to put on yourself. That condemnation is gone. Paul says there is is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
when God interrupts your day and your plans change, you have to understand. You have to pray that God give me more faith that you're not here to shame me, but you're here for my good and you're here for my neighbor's good. So God interrupts our day. We need to understand that that's for satisfaction of our soul. It's for the good of others. And it's probably going to change our plans. And so what we need to do when we, see the chan- cha- uh, when we see the plans changing is look down at that water jar and ask ourselves, is this the water that's going to give me eternal life? Now, I know that water might not make sense because you have it in your, in your house, but go back to those things we discussed about the desert, right? Is this relationship what is going to give me eternal life? Is this money? Is this phone? I don't mean to step on anyone's toes, but... Is this social media account? Is this influencer? Is this new jacket? Are these new shoes? Are these the things that are going to give me eternal life? Are these kids? That's right. You don't have to worship your children. I know you love them, but the way you show them love most is by worshiping God the Father and letting your love pour out on them from that overflow. Otherwise, you're going to run dry really fast. When we look down at the water jar and we ask ourselves, am I being too satisfied in this to leave it behind? Be real with yourself when you answer. Maybe you need to ask that question during our time of prayer here in a few moments. I invite you to do that. Because remember, Jesus doesn't come at you with shame and condemnation. He says, be honest with me. And you say, yes, I'm afraid to leave this because I'm afraid you're not going to take care of it as good as I can. That's a good place to be, believe it or not, for you to be that honest with God and say, I don't trust you with this. I don't trust you with my money. I don't trust you with my family. Tell God that. He's not scared of you. What he's going to do is give you a peace that you couldn't have before. He's going to say, listen, you never controlled it in the first place. (laughs) You were fooling yourself. Let me show you what I can do. And then you watch God work. Um, there's other times in the New Testament where we see different responses to these encounters. So as a warning to us and as an example to us, let me share just two of them. The first is the, uh, the warning. The rich young ruler one time, you guys know this story, he was challenged by Jesus to leave everything he had. He, he had proven his worth to Jesus in one of those little question and answer scenarios. He gave the right answer. And then Jesus said, you've answered correctly. Now, go. Leave everything you have. Sell it, sell, it to the, sell it and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And you know what happened? The rich young ruler, the Bible says, turned and left with his face down. He shamed himself. He was sad. He said, you know what? That water jar right there is too important for me to leave. I'm going to pick it up and take it with me. I can't leave my stuff. I can't leave my possessions. So the, the, the response was not always what the Samaritan woman did. We need to see that, right? But there's another time where Jesus gave the same exact request. He said, come and follow me. Jesus was walking along the shoreline of the sea one day, probably on a morning like this, right? 68 degrees, a, a light to, to heavy breeze, <laughs> sunshine. He's walking on the shoreline, and he sees Peter and Andrew fishing, And they come in with their nets, and they're just finishing up for the day. And Jesus, he says to them, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And do you know what they did? 
Bible says they left their nets and they followed Jesus. What do you think their families said? Their dads who had taught them how to fish. You're going to do what? You're going to follow some homeless man around Galilee and Jerusalem and Judea telling others about him? You don't think they were shamed and humiliated for that? Until they carried the water back, right? So the rich young ruler, he picked up his water jar and left. He couldn't do it. But we see Andrew, we see Peter, we see this woman of Samaria. When they get asked by Jesus to follow me, when they are told of this living water, they leave everything. Their day was interrupted and they turned to God. So I want, to, I want you and, and me to wrestle with this question. When God interrupts your day, are you ready to drop everything and follow him? In 2020, we will go quickly. Queen's Church will be filled with people who leave their water jars and run to tell their neighbors in the desert about Jesus. Amen? We will go quickly to our neighbors when we focus on the water that he has given us, not the water we drew ourselves. That's when we go to our neighbors. In 2020, we will also tell our story. Listen to verse 39. We're going to skip a few verses down. I told you, your, your job is to read this later in its complete. 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And the woman's testimony is quoted here. It's really short. Ready? He told me all that I ever did. Isn't that good enough? <laughs> I met a stranger. He told me everything I had ever done. And the Bible says that many people in that town believed because of what? The woman's testimony. In 2020, we will tell our story. We don't only go quickly running saying, you know, the world's going to end. Here's the Savior. No, what do we do when we get to those people in the desert? We tell them about the water and how it has satisfied our heart. We have to tell our story. It is important that you and I understand how impactful our story can be on other people. These sticky notes from last week, right? They're more powerful than any of us realize. For those of you who weren't here, this board over here, I got more sticky notes because we got another project today. But these sticky notes are people's stories of life change from 2019, the way that God did something great in their life or the way that Queen's Church came and interrupted their day and helped point their eyes to Jesus. Those stories right there, the reason I wanted you to write them down and think about them more throughout the week is because they have more impact on your unbelieving neighbors than you realize. These stories are the testimony just like this woman had. You come into the people who are around you and you say, listen, forget about all the stuff you've ever heard. Let me tell you how Jesus changed my life. Let me tell you about this community of people who loved me and didn't expect anything from me in return. Let me tell you about this enemy I used to have who now I sit next to and worship with. I go to the back and pray with. Let me tell you what God has done in my life. You're telling your story reminds you of God's faithfulness. Telling your story gives others hope. And telling your story makes disciples. Remember what Jesus said before he left the earth? His last words before he ascended into heaven miraculously. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And hey, don't forget, I will be with you. I'm not going to leave you alone for the end, to the ends of the earth. 
I'll be with you forever. Telling your story makes disciples. It reminds you of God's faithfulness, and it gives others hope. Your story is more powerful than you know. And listen to this. This is the part of studying for this sermon over the past couple of weeks. This is the part that stuck out to me most. Telling your story is most powerful with people who knew the old you. You know, I know part of Tammy's story, right? I know the Tammy from when she gave her life to Jesus and she was baptized and she's on fire for Jesus and she has hope and she has love and she's telling others about her, about the life that Jesus has given her. But I don't know Tammy before. I don't know Tammy 10 years ago. I don't even know Tammy two years ago. But her story is powerful to me. I'm not saying it's not. But her story is more powerful with the people who knew her before Jesus changed her life. And when she goes to those people, they say, you did what? (laughs) And you are who? And you love who? You wake up on Sunday morning for that? Why? Because they knew when Tammy was acting crazy. I don't know if Tammy was acting. I I know that Tammy... (laughs) Now I'm going to get in trouble. I I know that Tammy... I know that Tammy is like me. I know this for sure because I asked her when I baptized her. I know that she was a sinner. Just like I was. I am. And I know that God saved her from that. And I know there's people who knew her before God saved her. And those are the people whose whose, whose story... When Tammy's story is told, it just punches them right in the heart in the gentlest, most sincere way. Takes their breath away because they can't believe it. I can't believe that Tammy is following Jesus. So the question for us today, right now, is who are the people who knew the old you? Where your story is going to have the most impact. This woman didn't go off into Jerusalem and start telling people about Jesus. If she had, she would have been a great preacher, and that would have been fine. But it wasn't what was best. And I feel like so many times, you and I settle for what's fine. We go to the people who are new in our life, who don't really know us when they went before, who aren't going to call us out on our past stuff, and we tell them about Jesus, our new coworkers, the new per- person at the office, the new, pe- the new neighbor that moved in next door. And that's fine. God wants you to tell that new neighbor about Jesus. But what about the people who knew the old you? That's where the woman ran. She ran to the town where she would be most humiliated by this news. And she spoke it with courage and boldness. Men and women of faith, where is your story most impactful? That's where God wants you to go with it in 2020. Go to the people who would never believe that you follow Jesus. Never believe it. And tell them it's true. And then tell them, come and see. You got to come and see this. Follow me to Christ. This woman had a reputation in that town and you have a reputation in your neighborhood. But don't let your poor reputation, if that's what it is, stop you from telling people about Jesus. So in 2020, we will go quickly. Say quickly. In 2020, we will tell our story. Say my story. And in 2020, this is, the, this is my favorite one, we will show them Jesus. 
Listen to verses 40 through 42. So when the Samaritan came to him, this is the people she told her story to, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, listen to this, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. When you tell your story, people get curious. She told her story and some believed, but many others still were curious and skeptical. Don't ever forget that. Just You, you don't have to get all bold and say, Pastor Larry told me I'm going to tell my story and everyone's going to be excited about this story. That's not true. Some people are still going to say, Tammy? I owe Tammy dinner for uh, picking on her so much. Her. Not Tammy. Some people are still going to say that. But then they're going to look at your life and they're going to see that not only is your story checking out, but your Jesus is checking out. And you're going to introduce them to Jesus by the way that you show them love. And then they're going to say, I didn't believe you at first. I was skeptical. But now I have tasted and seen for myself. This truly is the Savior of the world. And it's the Savior that I have needed my whole life. In 2020, we will show them Jesus because Jesus has the power to save and we have a mission to love. You see that? I want you to repeat after me. I do not have the power to save. One more time, just for our souls. This is good for us to hear. If you're anything like me, this is good for you to hear. One more time. I do not have the power to save. You don't. And you know what that is? It's freeing. You don't have the power. You don't have to try to save people. That's not your job. You do have a mission, though. And your mission is to do something you have the power to do. You know what it is? Show the love that you have been given. When Jesus shows you love and gives you the living water, your mission is to say, I received all that, right? That's power. That love is powerful. You receive all that, and God gives you a mission. Go now, show that love to, to people. Who's my, but who, God? Your neighbor. But who's my neighbor? Just to, just to clarify. Okay, everyone, but even my enemy? Okay, even my enemy. Okay, I got my mission. Go show love to every single person I encounter on a daily basis. Now, you have the power to do that. And just like this woman, telling your story and using that power to show people God's love, it's still not your job to save them. Jesus is going to have to come into the scenario at some point. And when Jesus comes in, it's his power that saves. Truly, truly, this person that Gene follows is the savior of the world, and he's the living water I need. That's what we want to hear more of this year in Queen's Church. Truly, truly, Jesus is the savior. When Jesus changes you, he changes how you see those who have withheld love from you. You get that? These people in this town had withheld love from this woman. They had ridiculed her, most likely. She had, she had certainly shamed herself enough to, to back off from them, even if we say they didn't say anything. Right? These people who had withheld love, when Jesus changes you, he helps you to see those people differently. Because in your heart, you want to see them as an enemy, right? Right? 
That person doesn't love me like they should. That person was actually rude to me. That person cussed me out. That person has always been angry at me ever since that one time I did that one thing. Right? That's what we think about people. When Jesus changes you, though, he can change the way that you see that person. He shifts the way that you see your enemy. He changes your perspective. Jesus can give you love for those who don't love you. When you and I go quickly and tell our story, we aren't giving our neighbors something average and everyday. It's not like we dropped off to give them a bag of cookies. Although that's a good way to show them love. We are giving them the very person of Jesus, just like this woman did. The Savior of the world. As someone once said, it's a message too good to be kept to yourself. You can't keep it to yourself. So, what do we do next? What are our next steps? I want to do something interactive again with these post-it notes. Everybody should have had a pen where you were sitting. If you didn't, then there's three right up here on the front row because nobody wants to sit in the, in the splash zone. <clears throat> I want you to come up. Uh, first, I want you to pray. And then after you, if your prayer is answered, I want you to come up here. And here's what I want us to do. I want you to try to find three people in your mind who are your neighbors, right? That qualifies anyone you know. Remember that? Three people who are your neighbors. And I want you to come up three different sticky notes, right? There's plenty over here. Don't worry. I want you to write one name at a time, one on each sticky note, and then put them up here as a challenge to say, just like this woman at the well, you know, I might not leave my purse right now in church and run out to go tell this person, but I'm going to write their name down, and then I want to challenge you. We're going to pray in a minute for those names, not out loud, but I'm going to pray over that board. I want to challenge you to, to go this week. You ready? This is the hard part. Easy writing a name, right? But what's harder is to commit to go and quickly share your story with one of them this week. Let me, let me tell you something. Let me confess something to you. I'm the pastor of the church, right? I'm preaching God's word to you right now. That is scary for me. Can I confess that to you? I'm going to write three names down too. I already thought of them because I wrote the sermon, so I should have thought of them already, right? It is scary for me, your pastor, to go and try to share my story with one of them this week. I want to say that honestly to you because I have a feeling that maybe some of you are feeling like that's scary for you too. And the ones of you who are not scared, who are bold, and say, I'm not scared. I want to go tell them. I can't wait. I want you to come talk to me after church because you're the next evangelism director of Queen's Church. And I'm not even kidding. Some of you were born to be evangelists, to, to just lead others to tell their story. That's not me, but it might be some of you. So three names. If you say, I can only think of two, still come write two names. The challenge is three, all right? If you can only think of a half a name, come put it up here. Don't put their last name because some of us might know the same people. Just write their first name on there, three of them, and then commit to go quickly and share with one of them this week. That's a next step. Right? Everybody good with that one? The next one is this. I want you to pray for that person. I want you to pray that God would give you an, an interaction with them. And I, I, I warn you, when you pray that God will give you an interaction with someone and an opportunity to share your story, he is going to do it this week. <laughs> God, God's not to be dared. Because guess what? He wants all this to happen. 
It's his desire that you pray for that person. And when you do, he's going to put you in front of them this week. So pray for it. And then next prayer, pray for courage to be able to step out in faith and tell that story. If you want help telling your story, come and talk to me. I'll give you some ideas on how to start that story. But I want you to pray for that person. And then finally, this next step is for some people in this room who haven't ever stepped out on faith and drank from the water in the first place. Maybe you say, you know, I'm here for church because it gives me hope or it gives me a good feeling, which it should. A lot of the things on that board were about how this community is so welcoming and loving and how they just can't miss it. You should read these things afterward. They were a blessing to me as I read them this week and as I prayed for you who wrote them. Maybe you say, I got, that's what I'm here for. I'm here for the good, for the good vibes. And I'm, I'm cool with Jesus, but I'm not about to give him my life. I'm not leaving the water jar behind because I trust myself with this. I don't trust anybody else. I want to invite you to come to the back right now. Summer's going to be back there. Miss Jean's going to be back there. I'm going to be back there. Come to one of us and say, I'm ready to leave the jar behind. I'm ready to follow Jesus. And we will talk to you about how you can do that today. In fact, I believe once you leave that step and come say it out loud, you've already done it. So I'm just going to tell you about praying to receive Christ and to have faith in him and how to live after that. So come write three names, pray, then come write three names. Commit to go quickly and share with one of them. Pray for that person. And maybe you need to come and receive Jesus today. As soon as that song starts, let's start moving. Moving toward prayer, moving toward the front. And my prayer right now as we launch into response is this. God, we pray together right now with our eyes open and our hearts open. We pray that we would not be a people who carries the water to our own heart and withholds it from our neighbors, but that we would go boldly and quickly tell our story and share Jesus with others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together and let's respond as God has called us.